Those were Converse shoes, were they? Yeah, I used to have a pair of them back in the early 60s. Actually, that's, that's the shoes I would get is Converse. I would wear them. Has anybody ever worn them to your little toe stuck out the side? <laughs> and the uh, flap started flapping. My dad would put cardboard in them. Um, and they would run another five years before we'd buy new ones. But uh, actually, I think Jeff talked about lying, didn't he? Some of that's true. Some of that's not so true. But anyway, good morning. Welcome to Pooler Bible Church. Um, thank you uh, for coming, and we're so glad you're here this morning. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, it was Carl. Carl? Where's Carl? Carl? Great job. Um, I'm doing a little music writing myself, so I thought maybe we could kind of hook up. Michael, fill you in on that. And vocals, I can help you in any way you need. Michael, Michael fill you in on that. It won't be good, but he'll fill you in. Um, I actually sang with my wife in the choir till the choir leader was, this is a true story, was looking like somebody is off here. And so we kept singing and finally they figured out it was me and the choir, choir leader said, hey, um, Barry, could you come down an octave? And I said, sure, I'll come down an octave. What's an octave? <laughs> and so the next verse, I mouthed it. Perfect. And so I was out of the choir. But anyway, um, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm Barry Russell. I'm an elder here at the church. I'm, uh, I'm filling in for Pastor Jeff today. We're going to continue in the series, Walk This Way. Before we do that, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for each person that's gathered here. Lord, we have visitors here today. Lord, we are so grateful for them to set aside time to be here. And even those that call uh, Pooler Bible home are here. Lord, we thank you for that. May, may what is said today and done be for your honor and glory, Lord. And I pray you'd help us as Christians, Lord, to learn how we are to walk because you pray, paid such a, a price for our salvation that we should represent you and walk well. Lord, be with us as we go through this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We, um, I actually put a bumper sticker like that on our car. My, my wife does not like horns. You blow a horn, I have to lock the doors and hold her in. One day we were driving in the car, and she was sitting in the, she was driving, I was sitting there. I had stuck that bumper sticker on our car and forgot to tell her, and somebody come up behind us and was blowing the horn. Next thing I know, she was out of the car walking back like this, and I hit the window and I said, it's the bumper sticker, get back in the car. She does not like horn blowing. So anyway, I'm reminded of a, a story. I want to share a story with you real quick before we get started, and then I'll have to I'll have to go. I'm on the clock. But uh, there's a lady. She was 84 years old, 84 years old, and she said she had just gotten married. And that's wonderful. The 84-year-old lady had gotten married. So naturally, well, what did your husband do? He's an undertaker. And so, well, that's nice. So he's an undertaker. And she said, well, it's actually my fourth husband. She goes on to explain that her previous three husbands has she married, and, and they passed away. She, she remarried again, and she remarried again and until uh, she got to her fourth husband. He's an undertaker. Before anyone could ask her, well, can you tell us about your first husband? She said, well, my first husband was a banker. It's an honorable trade. I thought, that's nice. And her second husband, this is a little different. The second husband was a, a ringmaster, like at a, a circus. He was a ringmaster. And her third husband was a pastor. 
Of course, then her fourth husband was an undertaker. When she was questioned about, that's quite a diverse group of jobs your husband did. She said, well, one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. So she had all of her bases covered. So today we're going to continue our series, Walk This Way. And before I, before I go any further, we have some visitors with us today. Welcome, and thank you for being here. We have Brother James Bird. We call him Jay Bird back there. He will be turning 91 here in a few weeks. And, he, and, and we, are, we are so glad that he's here and his wife, Miss Bird. And she does so much to help him. I will tell you, I've talked to him, and, and his mind is like a mind of a 20-year-old. He thinks he can do anything he could do when he's 20. But him and I talk, and I said, you know, Jay Bird, this old body we got, this old shell we walk around in here is starting to wear on him. But I appreciate him getting up today and going through the effort he had to do to be here. So thank you for being here, Brother Bird. I appreciate that. And thank you for you visitors that are here. So today, as we continue in our series, Walk This Way, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus comes from a prison in Rome. Paul is in prison. I'm not sure what I'd be doing in prison, but Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus. Paul helped start that church, and then Paul went back on a journey, and he stayed there three years. He invested a lot of time in the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus is a very important church in church history. And so he's, he's speaking via letter from a prison in Rome, and he's speaking to believers about how they are to conduct themselves and who desire to be mature in Christ. You know, when we first get saved, we got so much to learn. We got so much to learn. And so this book of Ephesians, the first three chapters give us theology and doctrine. And then the last three chapters show us how to put that in practical everyday living. And so as such, Pastor Jeff's series, Walk This Way, is for instructions on how Christians, we, mature in our walk with Christ. We are to walk according to God's word. As a Christian, you, you must dig into God's word. And you must understand his word. You must seek uh, counsel in his word. We have classes here on Sunday morning. We, I just left one with Dr. Rainwater, Doc Rainwater. Boy, does he go through the Bible. Does he tell you things and use the Bible? But that's what we're to do as new believers. We're to walk according to God's word. To do that, we have to know God's word. We know from Paul's writings that we are to walk worthy of our new life in Christ. Worthy. There is no way any of us could repay Christ for what he did on the cross. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. We should walk according to the calling that he gave us. We're to put off the old man and put on this new man in Christ. We are to live differently. A Christian should be distinguishable by his walk or her walk. A person's conversation, that is their walk, should be able to convict them on the grounds of being a Christian. I, I think so often... We don't have enough there to be convicted of being a Christian. But people should see that in us in how we carry ourselves and how we walk. Not that we're perfect. Not that we don't make mistakes. Not that occasionally 
something creeps up and, and we do something we shouldn't do. But for the most part, our life should be able to convict us that we're a Christian. But, but now that we have trusted Christ, we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit as we read, study, and apply God's Word to our lives. We are becoming sanctified, that is, growing more like Christ as we apply to our lives what we have learned from Scripture. So, Scripture is very, very important for the new believer, and it's very, very important for the mature believer. We are to stay into God's Word. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're to walk 180 degrees different from the way we walk before our new life in Christ. Our behavior is to be different. One of the things we do, I don't know if anybody else does it, but we like to watch court TV. Anybody else in here like to watch court TV? And we've been watching this thing that's been going on in South Carolina. Has anybody been watching that? We've actually, I'm wore out. We've been to Walterboro twice. We figured this thing out. We, uh, Vinny Politon and my wife now are just like this. We, we, we go to where he's, where he's recording and all, but we've been going there. But it's so, so sad when you think about it. It really bothers me when you think about what has transpired there. It's just, it's sad. It's so sad, and I won't go into a lot more than that, but it is just so sad. We see, again, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The King James Version says it this way, Behold, all things become new. I like the King James Version. It, it doesn't say some things or a few things, but he says all things. Everything about you is new. We are to be new, new creatures. We are to walk worthy of what Christ did for us, and that is down the cross for us. We really ought to be different, and that's what this series is about. In Pastor Jeff's first two message, we, messages, we learn that we are to speak the truth in love. We're not to lie. We are not to twist facts because we do not want to be disliked or for being truthful. We're not to lie because something in our personality is afraid of the response we may get by speaking the truth. We are to lie and not to see. We're to speak the truth in love. What that means is we're, we have a mind. We, we can rationalize. And Doc was talking a little bit this morning about uh, talking about Christ. And, and it's interesting, we get saved and we've trusted Christ, but then it's time for us to say, hey, have you ever trusted Christ? And we're, we're a little reluctant because we're afraid of what we may hear. We're afraid that we may be rejected. Can I tell you this? Your job is to give the gospel out. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. And you don't need to worry about if somebody says, uh, gets on to you or they don't want to hear anything of that or you're just a Bible thumper, just give it out. Just give it out. But I would say this in speaking in love. When, when I look to, to have a difficult conversation with somebody about anything, 
I start thinking in my mind and rationalizing how would I want that person if the roles were flipped to talk to me. And I tailor that, not that the truth gets watered down, but I tailor that to the way I would want to hear that. And it works so well because it's sort of like, hey, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So we also learn that we're not to be angry. That one kind of hits me because I'll tell you, I work on that every day. And that is unrighteous anger. But anger should be for the right reasons. Righteous indignation. And handled according to Scripture. We are not to let the sun go down on our wrath. We're to deal with situations properly and put, put it behind us. Not dwell on it. To dwell on it only hurts you. You ever been angry? I, I, I have. You ever been angry about something? When it's all over, you're kind of like, I can't believe I was so angry about that. Maybe somebody said something to me that I should have just said, maybe consider the source or don't worry about that or whatever. And I just let that thing well up in me and well up in me and well up in me. And I did not settle that. I went to bed with it. And when I woke up the next morning, it wasn't any better. It was even worse. Don't allow Satan to do that to you. Be angry for the right things because the scripture says we can, but do not sin. Today, we're going to talk about stealing. Scripture has a lot to say about stealing. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, lying, anger, stealing? Listen, in this thing we've been watching over there in South Carolina, all three of them are prevalent, massively. And the end result for two people was very horrible. So that goes on today. There are things that come out of the heart. It's called sin. And the sin nature we got at birth. We teach our kids very early on right from wrong. Why? We don't have to teach them to do wrong. We have to teach them to do right. Why? Because it's in their nature. It was in our nature. Just by being born. We didn't ask for it. That is the natural man. When we had our first, when we had Brandy, she's in the nursery and I'm looking through the window. She's born on my mom's birthday. I'm looking in the window. She's just so peaceful. And I thought, wow, this is going to be a good baby. I didn't know, I didn't know a lot about babies because this was our first. And they'd take her into my wife, Karen, and she would pat her and, you know, do all that. Not a peep, put her back in that nursery. And I thought, boy, this is going to be great. On the way home, started acting up a little bit. We get her home. And her only way to tell us what she wants is she cries. And the cry's okay. But this ain't a regular cry. This is a I'm angry cry. When I want what I want, you get it to me, and I'm going to get louder if you don't. We didn't have to teach her that. wonder where she got that from. And you say, well, that's just a baby. But, and it is. But, but that's, that's the way it is. Our, our daughter, Brooke, when she was... Not quite two. Remember, the ter- y- y'all heard of terrible twos? She would hold her breath. You ever had a kid hold her breath? She would go, and then when she did open her mouth, me and Karen are right there going, trying to get her to breathe. So my wife went to the doctor and said, what are we going to do with this kid? He said, don't worry about it. Let it go. Ultimately, she'll start breathing again. I'm like, wow, okay. 
My daughter Brandy got a Pontiac Sunfire. She was 16 years old, got her driver's license. She said, Dad, I would really like to get a car. And I go, okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get you a car. We'll pay the down payment if you make the payment. She went to JCPenney. She got a job down in Brunswick at the mall. She got a job. We bought her a Pontiac Sunfire. Y'all remember them? Blue. Nice little car. All of a sudden, our car goes in the driveway. Hers is in the garage. We had a go-kart in there, and my son, Brett, loved that go-kart. And true story, we told him, Brett, don't move that go-kart out of the garage because you'll scratch Brandy's car. One day, Karen comes to the garage. I'm out there. I don't know anything going around. She goes, what's that smell? And I go, smells like paint. He had moved. This guy is like, well, he's probably third grade, whatever that is. He had moved that go-kart and put a little scratch on the car. Then he had got some paint we had on the shelf that was almost the identical color. I don't know why we had it, but we had it. And he sprayed it. And that's what we smelled. So Karen come out and she goes, Brett, did you scratch that car? No, ma'am. I did not do that. Brett, I'm going to ask you one more time. Did you, did you move that go-kart and scratch that car? I didn't do that. You get in the house right now. So he went in the house. She's not that mean. Well, yes, yeah, she is. Get in the house. Well, I'm looking at the car, and I'm going, hey, it, it actually looks pretty good. He did a pretty good job. And she goes, no, no, we're going in to take care of this. So I won't go through what we did to take care of this, but there's something called biblical discipline in the Board of Education. But the Bible has a lot to say about stealing. In Exodus 20, verse 15, Moses gives the Ten Commandments called the Decalogue. What is one of the Ten Commandments? Do not steal. In Matthew 19, 16 through 22, there's a rich young man. He's got a lot of money. And he says to Jesus, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, uh, you know, he questions him about who is good. You know, there's only one good. And he says, keep the commandments. Which ones? And he starts listing them. One of them is do not steal. Ultimately, and we all know that you can't keep the Ten Commandments. Anybody tell you, oh, I keep the Ten Commandments? Well, rule number one is they're lying, so they ain't keeping them. You cannot keep the Ten Commandments your whole life. You might keep them for a brief moment, but you cannot. And so ultimately, the problem this individual has is he was wealthy. And Jesus said, sell what you have and share it. And he went away disappointed because he wasn't really willing to do that. In Romans 13, 7, we're going to love this one. Paul tells us to pay our taxes. It's tax time. Don't cheat on the government. Pay your taxes. In Romans 13, 7, Paul tells us in Romans 13, 9, we are to obey the authority as, authorities as they are there for our good. That includes do not steal. If you obey the law and you do right, you have nothing to worry about. You shouldn't fear the authorities that are over you. They're here to protect us. At least they used to be. But he says, do not steal. We have all kinds of things around our culture that's driven by theft, by stealing. Police. Probably the most prevalent thing they deal with is theft. We have courts. We have lawyers. We have prisons. You name it, we have it. And the, and the bulk of that centers around theft. Stealing, taking something that doesn't belong to you. 
In Titus 2.10, it says we are not to pilfer. Don't embezzle money or goods. Scripture also tells us there's a price or consequences to pay for stealing. Let me read Exodus 22 real quick, if you'll bear with me. Exodus 22. No, by the way, I heard one pastor say, oh, this is talking about personal property. And, and the fact that you have a right to protect your personal property. But it says in Exodus 22, if a man steal an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox, four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, There shall be blood guilt on him. In other words, if he's breaking in your house at night and you don't know and you're protecting yourself and he dies, that's on him. That ain't on you. But if he doesn't and the sun comes up and he's there, then he's going to pay. He shall surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. So in other words, you're going to be working for me. You're trying to take from me, I I need you to work for me. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it's an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. And, and the scriptures go on and on and talk about the price for stealing. Today, we have places that says, well, as long as it ain't over $900, you're okay. Stealing is stealing, and it needs to be nipped in the bud at the very lowest level. Ultimately, it comes down to this. Stealing is driven by one thing. It's driven by one word. Greed. And greed can lead to jealousy and covetousness. That is, wanting something that is not yours. Something you did not earn. Wanting a life someone else has worked for, and you believe you deserve that life too. I ought ought to have that myself. Greed, jealousy, covetousness. There is absolutely no reason to steal at all. Zero tolerance for the Christian to steal. You want to know where my kids got what they got? Let me tell you about the ice cream bandits. Me and my brother, I think I was probably 11 or 12. We lived in Southern California and we had a, 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 um, a paper route. You guys know what a paper is, right? Because we're on, the, we're on electronic age. But we had this bag, I don't know if y'all remember this, but you would put it over your neck and you had pouches here and pouches in the back and we would roll those new paper and put them in the pouch. Most kids got on their bicycle and ran their paper route and threw the papers. Well, my dad was worried about us being on a bike and falling with that bag, so we had to walk. Talking about goofy looking. But my brother, 15 months younger to me, went with us and I convinced him it is cool to walk around in that bag. So he's wearing the bag. And I'll do the hard work. I'll throw the papers. That's just the way I was. Well, we, we didn't have a lot of money. We were poor. We actually put a sign in our front yard that said this house is under surveillance. Not because it was, but just so we, people would think we have stuff in there that they might want to steal. We didn't have nothing. We ate peanut butter and saltine crackers for our snack. You want to drink a water? Go out there and run the hose pipe long enough to where you don't taste the hose pipe and drink the water. And you know what? We thought we're living a normal life. But anyway, we're doing this. And we come up to a store around the corner. 
And I told my brother, I said, listen, I got a plan. We wanted an ice cream so bad. No, we didn't have no money. I said, you got the bag. We don't have any papers. Let's go in. You go to the ice cream thing, drop the bag in there, throw a couple ice creams in. We're gone, home free. This is a great plan. Well, we did that. I was the first one out the door. I ran to the apartment complex and got behind the garage thing there. I don't see my brother coming. I went, oh boy. So I go back in. They nab me. I'm, I'm one half of the ice cream bandit. And the guy says, I want your name and your address. I gave him my name and my address. I think my brother, he gave him a false address. I don't know. He didn't give them what they wanted. And I remember very, very directly, the man said, you have 30 minutes to go home and tell your dad and have him come up here or I'm calling the juvenile authorities. And I'm like, you're talking about scared, scared to death. I'm scared. On the way home, you have to know my dad. He's a disciplinarian. He's not one of these dads that says, come here, son, and sit down. Let me talk to you about stealing. He goes immediately to what you get for stealing. So on the way home, I talked to my brother, and I said, Richard, you know what? I'm the oldest. This will re be really bad for me. You're younger. He'll take it easy on you. You tell him. <laughs> so he did. And talk about telling the truth. He didn't smooth that over. Daddy, we got caught stealing. Barry Jr. told me to stick the bag in there and put the ice cream in there, and I did it, and we got caught. And I'm standing there like, what? And I saw my dad stand up, and I thought, boy, he's in trouble. He went right around him and got to me. But let me tell you what I learned about that story after I got what I had come and do. My dad was so hurt by that. I don't think, I, I say he didn't talk to me for six months. It was probably a week. Way too long. But I, we knew we hurt that man so bad because of what we did. And so we learned that lesson. But you might think, surely there's an allowance for those are, who are hungry and have no food and need to feed themselves or their family. Proverbs speaks about this in Proverbs 6.30. People do not spies a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he's hungry. We sometimes justify or feel that, well, he's hungry. He needs to eat and feed his family. It seems logical and we feel compassion for the thief and so should we. Surely we should tolerate this, what Proverbs goes on in verse 31 to say, but he, if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. Paul tells us we are to stop stealing and stop sharing. Let me say this. There are those that can't. They don't have food. They're out homeless. Um, maybe they can't work. We have lots of things in America to feed people. Notwithstanding us here today, Christians, helping people. So I don't want to come across harsh like, if you're hungry, tough. No, we should help them. But stealing is not what needs to happen. Look at Ephesians 4.28, and we'll be done here very quickly. But let me say this while I go through Ephesians 4.28, and I'm going to go really quick. You have a card with some blanks on the back. If you'd like to fill it out as I go, um, I found out from Pat Dykes. He said, if you fill that out, you'll go to heaven. <laughs> now, now, he's our youth director, so they're in good hands. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, do an honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with someone in need. There's three things about verse 28, and we'll be done. First off, it is very apparent. 
We are not to steal. Christians do not steal for any reason. And stealing comes in all shapes, form, and fashion. To outright theft, to robbery, to internet, um, what do they call that? Uh, identity theft. Um, robbery, which is nothing more than you'll get harmed if you try to stop them. Fraud. Stealing from your employer. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you're supposed to be working and get paid a day's wage for work. Work hard. Don't slough off. That's stealing. Falsifying expense reports, falsifying time cards, stealing materials from work. I used to have Air Force ink pen. This got right on their property of U.S. government. After I had about five or six of them, I went, I better take these back. It's just, you know, forget about it. It's in your pocket. School supplies from work stock. stock. There's all different kinds of forms. And sometimes we rationalize that to ourselves. Oh, that ain't, we don't need to worry about that. But stealing in and of itself is stealing. And we shouldn't rationalize that. So the first thing I want you to see is, says, do not steal. Secondly, he says, we are to work with our own hands. We're to do honest work. The very first thing God did when he put Adam in the garden in Genesis 2.15, he placed him in the garden, and what did he do? He put him to work. That's why you get a husband and a bunch of husbands and wives together and they break up. The first thing the men want to talk about is, hey, Brian, what do you do? Oh, I'm an engineer. What do you do? We start talking about work. That's a normal thing for us because that's what God put in us when he put it in Adam in the, the Garden of Eden. And it's not dishonorable to work. It's quite honorable to work. So we are to do honest work. If you're able, you should work. Don't be lazy. The Bible says, if you don't work, neither should you eat. Now, again, we know there are some that cannot work, and we are to help them. Look at it this way. Who's the boss of your life? It's Jesus. The boss of your life is Jesus. You are bought with a price. A Christian should be the best employee your boss has, your company has. If you work for a company... People, people that are, are over you that run that company or your leaders, they ought to go, wow, he's the best worker that I have. What is it about him that's different? You remember Joseph. No matter what happened to Joseph, and it was typically pretty bad, he always worked hard. And God always blessed the person that had responsibility over him, whether it was Potiphar, whether it was the jail, they recognize there's something different about him. And that is what we are to do too. We are to work to be able to share with others. This strikes a blow at the heart of greed and selfishness. The opposite of greed is generosity, consideration, and kindness. By nature, we can be greedy. That's just the nature we get. One pastor said this, and I thought it was great. You ought to budget to give away. Say, what do you mean? Just budget it. Just say, hey, you know, you might say, hey, we're going we're gonna to set $15 a week aside at a pay period, or $5, or $10, or whatever you can do, and say, this is money we're going to have to share with somebody in need. There is something about sharing what you work for that is impactful, not only the person that gets it, but it's most impactful to you. So we are not to steal, we are to share. 
Jesus set the example for us to follow. Jesus cared for people and met their needs. The Bible says in Hebrews, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It says, whosoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deeds. That's Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. Proverbs 22, 9. In all things I have shown you, that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's Acts twenty thirty five. So we see if, if we are in Christ, we are to speak the truth. We learned that several weeks ago. We are not to be angry, just to be angry. It's okay to have righteous indignation, anger over something that is the proper thing to be angry over. But not to be angry for angry's sake. And then we learn today that we're not to steal. Replace stealing with sharing. Work hard and share. Every, every, uh, every, eye, um, every eye close and every head bow for just a few minutes. Um, I'm going to pray here in just a second. We'll have our, our team come up. But today we've been primarily speaking to Christians, how we're to walk in Christ, learning how to be more like Christ, how to walk with him. So Christians, I would ask you, does your life reflect this? Does it? If not, it should. Perhaps you're here today and you don't know Christ. Perhaps you've never trusted Christ at all. You've never taken the step to trust him as Savior. Let me say this. You are not here by accident. As a matter of fact, everyone in this auditorium has been right where you are at one time or the other. We've sat in an auditorium, and we, had never, we have never trusted Christ. Can I tell you this? Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you so much that he willingly laid down his life for your sin. You see, the Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's a sin nature we got. Jesus came for one purpose, and that purpose was to pay the penalty a holy God required for sin. He will do that for you if you will trust him. I hope that today you will trust Christ before it's too late. I had one pastor said, you can leave this building without Christ, but you do not want to leave life without Christ. And I hope today, if you've never trusted Christ, that you'll do that before it's too late. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for the attentiveness of those here today, Lord. And we pray that you would just sink your word into our heart, Lord, and that we would, Lord, apply the, the truths of Scripture to our life, Lord, that we would be people that represent you well. Not perfect people, not people that don't occasionally have sin befall us, but Lord, by and large, the majority of our life represents you well, and we live well for you. Be with the song of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray.